Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. You know, as we get further and further away from this election, my contempt for the Republican establishment and their media, their media surrogates, just grows and grows and grows. The way they lie to we the people, the way they hate the conservative base. It's on display all day, everywhere, everywhere. I see the GOP establishment and their media surrogates are in full propaganda mode. Tell me, America, what exactly was the agenda that Mitch McConnell promoted this election cycle for Republicans to run on? Do you remember how critical I was of him because he had no agenda? There was none. What legislation did McConnell say a Republican majority Senate would pass to address public needs and concerns during the course of this election? He offered nothing. What was the coordinated messaging from McConnell? There wasn't any. He kept collecting Hundreds of millions of dollars from big donors and special interests in and around Washington, D.C. for his Senate Leadership Fund. He has a separate fund run by a hack by the name of Stephen Law. And he spent millions trashing the conservative Republican in Alaska, who was endorsed by the Alaska Republican Party. That's not been discussed all day long, as best as I can tell. He denied one penny, not even a penny, for Blake Masters in Arizona, who's taking on an incumbent Democrat senator. It's hard enough to beat an incumbent Democrat senator, 
But when the Republican leader in the Senate with his hundreds of millions of dollars denies our candidate even one penny, he's sabotaging him. In New Hampshire, a retired general taking on another left-wing Democrat incumbent senator. Vulnerable. And at the most crucial time where that candidate needs money to get on air and to go after her, he pulls the $5.9 million, the $5.9 million that was to be targeted for that state. But he spent $9 million in Alaska going after the conservative on behalf of Lisa Murkowski. Meanwhile, his darling candidate that was going to prove to the whole country that the Republican establishment, the rhinos, know how to win races. O'Day in Colorado was slaughtered by Michael Bennett, the most monotonous candidate running next to Fetterman. Crushed. Crushed. Now, we have three seats that are still out. Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia. Three seats still out. Adam Laxalt, Blake Masters, Herschel Walker. Now McConnell came in later and endorsed Walker after trashing him in the Republican primary, but then said, okay, we can endorse him. They came in later and they endorsed Adam Laxalt. Okay, I guess we can endorse him. Not a penny for Masters. Now who's to say if there was an O'Day-type candidate, a rhino, running in Nevada, that it'd even be close against an incumbent Democrat. It wouldn't be. Who's to say that if somebody other than Blake Masters was nominated in Arizona, and I back somebody else, who's to say the attorney general there would be as close as Masters was? We have no idea. Who's to say if anybody else was nominated other than Herschel Walker in Georgia that we'd still be in that fight? We have no idea. So why is this constant effort to say, well, you got to pick the best candidates? Who's to say these weren't the best candidates? Don't embrace the assumptions that the Republican establishment is spewing out there. They don't want to take any responsibility for their failures. None. This is how Mitch McConnell hangs on. He has the Wall Street Journal. He has the New York Post. He's got uh, Carl Rove, his partner, who's involved in a lot of this. They're all out there spewing this stuff. He's got CNN, MSNBC. They all sound the same, don't they? All spewing this stuff. They have no evidence to show us anything of the kind any more than they had evidence when they kept talking about a red wave. You and I weren't talking about a red wave. We didn't create that impression or that environment. They did. Relying on what? Washington consultants. Washington, uh, relying on pollsters. The pollsters. The consultants. There's going to be a red wave. Who says? They all have egg on their faces. 
They accept no responsibility. The Republican establishment sounds like Joe Biden. Meanwhile, from Breitbart, Nero Monroe, Republican gained bigger share of Latino and black voters. You think that was due to Mitch McConnell or Chris Christie or Larry Hogan? The populist GOP share of the Latino vote jumped by a third, almost 40%, compared to 2018, according to exit polls. The GOP share of the black vote also jumped sharply from 2018, but from a very low level of 9 to 13%. Wow. What else happened? The Jewish vote jumped for the Republicans. 40, 41% of the Jewish vote went for Republicans. 45% of the Jewish vote went for DeSantis, which is how he won, among other things, Palm Beach and Miami-Dade. So Republicans picked up a bigger percentage of the vote among Jews and blacks and Hispanics. Well, who did that? The conservatives did that. The establishment doesn't know how to do this. Trump did it. DeSantis did it. The conservatives did it. Kemp did it. Abbott did it. Not the pollsters and not the... I mean, George Bush under Rove could have prayed for these kinds of numbers, which he would never get. And in how many of these close races did George Bush campaign for our candidates? Not one. How many of these close races did Mitt Romney campaign for our candidates? Not one. Not even for Mike Lee. Wouldn't even endorse him. We're being sabotaged by the establishment. And then they blame us. Oh, these extremist candidates. These election denier candidates, election denier candidates, I thought they were talking about Biden, maybe Obama's running again, and Hillary Clinton running again. Enough of this crap. They pulled the same stunt with Reagan. Reagan's too extreme. Reagan can't win. And yet Reagan won two massive landslides. They'll pull the same. You think they're going to embrace DeSantis, the Republican establishment? How so? Have you seen it? Has Mitch McConnell praised and celebrated Ron DeSantis today? No, they haven't. But it's all Donald Trump's fault. All of it. Now, does that sound honest to you? No, you may not want Trump to run. Got it. You may not want him to announce right now. Understand? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, let's analyze this. All day long. Did not Donald Trump have a rally for Marco Rubio in Palm Beach, Florida the day before the election, Mr. Producer? Did Rubio win or lose, America? 
And by how much? Rubio won by a record-setting 15% over Val Demings, who was a Democrat star. It doesn't sound like Trump hurt Rubio. And these candidates he endorsed, Masters and some of the others, they're within a whisker of defeating incumbent Democrat senators. Why is it assumed that they would have easily won that race with establishment Republican rhinos? Why is that assumed? They're incumbent Democrat senators because they couldn't be defeated by Mitch McConnell, Karl Rove, establishment Republican candidates in the first place. I'm just trying to get some honesty on the table here, ladies and gentlemen. How do you explain New York? where we flip two seats and are likely to flip two more in the House. Where Zeldin, a Trump supporter, almost won for the first time in 20 years. To listen to the phony media and to listen to the Republican establishment, you would think everybody voting had Trump in their brain. Just because the establishment does, just because the media do, just because they're obsessed and psychotic doesn't mean the voters are. There was no evidence of a red wave to begin with. I kept explaining, forget about it, just vote. The GOP establishment takes responsibility for nothing except if it's favorable. Same thing happened in 2010. I think we won 62 or 63 House seats They thought they would win more Senate seats. And Mitch McConnell attacked the Tea Party. John Boehner governed against the Tea Party. The Democrats don't do that to their base. They don't do that to their base. They're going to treat DeSantis very similarly. They will trash him too. And it's very clear, whether it's Bush or Hogan or Christie or Romney or you know the list, they didn't lift a finger for conservative candidates. Not a finger. Now once again, there were 34 seats up this round. 20 were Republican. 14 were Democrat. The Democrats have so far lost one seat. The Republicans so far have lost one seat. Now there's a battle over three incumbent Democrat seats. In all three cases, it's very close. In all three cases, they are Trump-supported candidates that might defeat one, two, or three, or none. But they're in the battle. It's not easy to defeat an incumbent Democrat senator. It almost never happens. It's very rare. These House seats, where we should have picked up more House seats? You telling me people were voting, not because of inflation, Trump, Trump, Trump. Six million more Republicans voted this time than last time. 
than the last midterm. Six million more. If we allow the Republican establishment and their friends in the Democrat corrupt media to spin this endlessly, we're never going to be able to fix it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Completely free online at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. time for a new Republican leader in the Senate. We're not going to get one because as the conga line goes on TV, they say they're going to vote for McConnell. Because McConnell provides them with a ton of money when they run for re-election. That's all he's good for. But I'm telling you now, he's attacked conservatives in the past. He backed Gerald Ford against Ronald Reagan, as did Rove early on. It's just, uh, it's very inappropriate that the rhino wing of the Republican Party, much like the media generally, have a lot of access to the airwaves, to the radio waves, whatever waves, not the red waves, Uh, but they're spinning. I'm not a special pleader for anybody, ladies and gentlemen. I haven't decided who I'm going to support or how I'm going to support them or whether I'm going to support them. I'm a special pleader for the truth. And we're not going to fix things or understand things or be able to address things if we just knee-jerk follow everybody else. We had, many already did that with the red wave. You think about the radio hosts and TV hosts that kept telling you there's going to be a red wave or red tsunami. You need to dismiss them. They're not independent thinkers. They're not really, they're not really facing reality. I'll be right back. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David 
Azarat as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Completely free online at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. When Mark Levin speaks, the backbenchers take notes. Call in now, 877-381-3811. You know, a bit earlier I was watching Brett Baer question a couple of senators, including Rob Portman of Ohio. And Portman's asked, you know, about the election, of course, he dumps on Trump. And uh, Brett Baer pushes back a little bit and he says, okay, but some people are critical of McConnell. You know, he pulled money out of New Hampshire at the end. He didn't put money into Arizona and then he used millions of dollars to go after the the other Republican candidate in Alaska. And Portman said, uh, no, McConnell did the right thing, exactly the right thing. This is the problem. These Republicans, or many of them, they're like high on something. They're high on McConnell. It's, it really is like a country club. It truly is. They've been there so long, and McConnell has been there so long, they don't even entertain the idea of giving somebody younger, more articulate, more conservative, and more in line with the conservative base, without which there'd be no Republican Party. What would the Republican Party be? A party of Larry Hogan's and Chris Christie's? Well, what the hell would that look like? All they would do is manage the, the unraveling and deterioration of the nation under the Democrats. That's all. They want to get along with the Democrats. They don't want to raise principles and fight on principles. Hogan got elected in a Democrat state by moving towards the left. And he wanted to manage that way. Chris Christie got elected in a Democrat state. He moved toward the left, and he wanted to manage that way. Ron DeSantis got elected in a purple state, and he didn't want to manage that way. He wanted to change the state, and he did. Just like Reagan got elected in California. He wanted to change the state, and he did. That's the difference between leadership and bureaucracy, being bureaucratic governors. That's the difference. And, but when I hear guys like Portman and everything say, no, Mitch did exactly the right thing. Romney put out a tweet a few days back trying to spin the whole thing. If we win the Senate, it's thanks to Mitch. You know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, of course, if we don't, that's, uh, that's somebody else's fault. They sound like Biden. But there's some kind of, uh, you know, they talk about the Stockholm Syndrome. It is the Washington, D.C. Republican Senate Syndrome. Truthfully. It's crazy. Republicans, Breitbart, Joel Pollack, have won nearly 6 million more votes nationwide in races for the House of Representatives, but have flipped relatively few seats, suggesting the talk of a red wave may have anticipated the overall mood of the country, but not the final result of the election. According to Cook Political Report, as of Thursday morning, Republicans have won over 50 million votes, or 52.3% of the vote. 
compared to 44 million votes, or 46.2% of the vote. Republicans lead by 6.1%, which is better than their average in generic congressional ballot polls. Remember all that polling? Which the Republican Party led by 2.5% in the final real clear politics average before the election. Now think about that. Republicans lead by 6.1% in the nationwide voting for a House. 6.1%. Who gets the credit for that, Mr. Producer? Is it the same guy that gets the discredit for everything? So is that due to Trump or not? I'm just curious about the logic because I think we're listening to simpletons with agendas who project. It's not due to Trump. It's not against Trump. Maybe it has nothing to do with Trump. The mismatch between, uh, writes Pollock, the risk mismatch between overall votes cast for Republicans and the actual result reflects the polarized nature of the congressional maps. It also reflects the fact that Republican losses against many Democrat incumbents were very narrow. Now, I spoke to this yesterday. You have well over 20 seats that were decided by well less than 5% of the popular vote. And I gave you two scenarios, one very bleak, one very bright. And I concluded, I'm not sure which it is yet, but we're going to know in two years. Just the way it is. It's just the way it is. We will know in two years. If the culture rot is so deep that we can't win under any circumstances. Or if they called the red wave just one cycle too early. That's what I'm leaning toward, but I'm not going to call it one way or the other. I'm just trying to figure it out, like everybody else. But I wouldn't go on TV and say, that's Trump. Trump's the reason we lost. Or, I got six million more votes. Well, that's Trump. Trump got us six million. What is the problem? If you have a different sort of approach to certain things, that's fine. If you have a different opinion, fine. Maybe I share your opinion. There is no question that Donald Trump is hated by the Democrats and the media and the rhinos. It's a hard burden to overcome. He did it once. And the second time, it's a jump ball in my view. But he certainly did it once. And then they spent the rest of the four years trying to destroy the man. And then I think, well, will these same forces be in play if a, if a Ron DeSantis is nominated? Yes. Trump is controversial as, as a politician because he's provocative. That's his strength, too. That's why so many of you love him. That's why so many of you voted for him. He doesn't take the crap. That said, our enemies, our political enemies, both within the Republican Party and outside the Republican Party, the Democrats and their media, do you think they'd be any different if Donald Trump were a nice guy all the time, speaking beautifully to everybody? No. 
You read American Marxism, many of you. There's a movement against us right now that wants to devour our institutions, that wants to devour our nuclear family, that wants to devour our national security, that wants to devour our borders, that wants to devour, period. To destroy what is and to replace it with something else. That movement doesn't care if it's Trump or DeSantis or if it's Ted Cruz. Who would it? They don't care. They're pushing an agenda. And they don't want anybody standing in the way. Period. This is the thing McConnell can't get through his head. And so many of those on radio and TV who talk like they're experts. They're not experts. They don't even smell what's going on. Particularly the paid consultants who've been around way too long. Whose opinions we don't give a crap about. We are facing, we are facing the obliteration of the American system. By this administration, by this putative president, by the media and all their supporters. You can listen to them every damn day. They tell you what they want to do. They tell you what they want to do. So to get up on TV or radio and say, you know, that's Trump. We would have won. No, it's not true. It was Nixon. It was Reagan. Oh, everybody's so bad. Everybody's in the way. They love Bush because he didn't do a hell of a lot, quite frankly. Neither of them. I'm just being honest. Nice guys. They didn't do a hell of a lot. Can you think of much? Certainly on the domestic front, I can't. I can't. When you have strong Republican leaders, they are by definition said to be controversial. Provocative. Because they go against the narrative that is created by the left and their party. They go against the narrative. So, Joel Pollack points out that in the massive red wave in 2010 with the Tea Party, the Republicans took 63 seats. Their victory over the Democrats nationwide on the House was 6.5%. This time it was 6.1%. And that number kind of underscores what I said yesterday about where that we were on the precipice. We might be on the precipice of a red wave in two years, and Florida being the point of the spear. Or not. But it certainly isn't something to just surrender. You've got to think about it. You've got to think about it. How come so many Democrat House incumbents, well over 20, almost lost their seats by less than 10,000 votes, which means 5,000 votes switching one way or another? And a huge number of them were able to hold their seats by 1,200 votes or 1,800 votes. It was that close. Now, almost is not an answer to anything. I got it. 
But it is if you're thinking about, okay, how do you adjust? How do you fix? How do you reform? How do you, how do you manage what took place for the next election cycle? Right? Well, we just got to get Trump out of the way. Then we'll be okay. No, we won't. Even if he were to decide tomorrow, I'm not interested in this. That doesn't fix it. That doesn't fix it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, is the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Completely free online at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mr. Producer, let's play Cut 5. Jen Pisaki on MSNBC. And by the way, this is par for the course. Here she is, a Democrat mouthpiece. Now she's working at MSNBC. Par for the course. She's on the morning schmo show. Cut 5. Go. But I will tell you, Joe, you know, he used to talk when I was in the White House about how after the election in 2020, the country was so the nerves were frayed. All of our nerves were frayed. Right. Uh, he didn't get to enjoy. There was no big inauguration. Right. He had to dive into dealing with not just the crises, but all of the crap that Trump had left behind. Oh, my and really God. coming out of the other night, um, not just that he was the most successful president in a midterm election. And there were a lot oh, of factors. Oh, 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 oh the most successful president in a midterm election because he lost less seats well in the senate they shouldn't have lost any seats because of the way the math is and of course they won't tell you that on msnbc neither will pasaki the propagandist they only had to defend 14 seats go ahead but also his agenda that he fought like hell for, right? That he worked with Democrats on to uh, do something on climate change, to lower uh, costs for the American public, to, to uh, build bridges across the country, to fight for abortion rights. That's an agenda people liked, and they didn't like extremism. And well, have you noticed, ladies and gentlemen, that Democrats can never be extremists? Democrats can never be extremists, only Republicans. Only Republicans can be extremists. I will say this thing as an observation. Just as Democrats are all out throughout the media, Bushies are all throughout the media too. They're the ones who theoretically represent your point of view. 
So I'm not buying that. We have a long tweet here from President Trump. I will look at it during the break. Um, I am. Uh, I, I don't know what it says yet, but I was given a heads up that I should look at it. So I will look at it. I will comment on it after the top of the hour. A governing agenda for Senate Republicans. So here is a Senate Republican who just won re-election, Ron Johnson. In a purple state, it's his third time. And McConnell wasn't in Wisconsin campaigning for him. Bush wasn't in Wisconsin. Chris Christie wasn't in Wisconsin. Larry Hogan, and he won. He unified the Republican Party behind him. All elements of it. Ron Johnson. And Ron Johnson contacted us a few hours ago and did something no other Republican candidate has done. Not one. He asked to come on the program to thank the Levin audience. I think that's a first, isn't it, Mr. Producer? We're not 100% sure, but we think so. Because, as you know, we try and get behind a number of these candidates. So, Ron Johnson will be here in hour three, and he wants to thank you and this audience. But he wrote this piece in the Wall Street Journal, a governing agenda for Senate Republicans. If the GOP gains the majority, the American people won't settle for business as usual. This should be coming from a Mitch McConnell. Not from a, a Ron Johnson, a member of the Republican caucus. It should be coming from the head of the caucus. And this should have come even before the election. Vote for us. This would be our mandate. And he says, I was first elected to the U.S. Senate in 2010. I've been elected for a third term. The dysfunction I witnessed over the past 12 years made me reluctant to run again. But I pledged to myself that should I win re-election, I would do everything I could to return function and fiscal sanity to Washington. Unfortunately, the red wave Republicans hoped for didn't materialize. It makes you wonder how bad things have to get before voters reject the Democratic policies responsible for so much destruction. So how come Ron won and other candidates lost? Had nothing to do with Trump either way. Massive out-of-control deficit spending sparked 40-year high inflation. The war on fossil fuels has produced record prices and so forth. Republicans campaigned against these failed policies and vowed to reverse them. And with Biden still in the White House, the Senate control still in doubt. Accomplishing that will be difficult. So what does he say? We need an agenda. We need an agenda. Rank-and-file members should vote only for leaders who commit to passing a budget that drives a fiscally conservative appropriation process. That is a direct shot at Mitch McConnell, in my view. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Well, the latest attack on Ron DeSantis from President Trump is pretty low attack. See, the media are feeding this, including our media, including some elected Republicans. They're feeding this. They want to fight. So when you have the New York Post coming out with the cover that it came out with, enthusiastically promoting Ron DeSantis and then eviscerating Donald Trump, they know what they're doing. And the other media and the other channels, and even Biden. The difference is DeSantis isn't going to bite this hook, but Trump did. I'm very disappointed in this. I don't, it's really incomprehensible to me. We want successful conservatives. Very successful conservatives. And the way you could handle something like this, if you're an ex-president, is to bring somebody under your umbrella. And I'm not speaking from knowledge of what either of these guys are thinking. But the attacks, what you're concerned about and what I'm concerned about, the attacks will pave the way for the Democrats in 2024. Isn't that what you're worried about, Mr. Producer? That's what I'm worried about. So when the media, including conservatives, keep lighting a fire, lighting a fire, Trump, 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 he's the bad guy, he's the bad guy, he swings back. He attacks. That's what he does. And to blame this last election, however you feel about the outcome, on Trump is wrong. But the rhinos know what they're doing, too. Many of them want to run for president. They know exactly what they're doing, and they're all over the media. But that does not sanction, in my view, or justify any of this. I'll read you part of this. Now that the midterms are over and a success, News Corp, which is Fox, the Wall Street Journal, and the no longer great New York Post, I told you that they're going to, and it's not just them, is all in for Governor Ron DeSanctimonious, an average Republican governor with great public relations who didn't have to close up his state, but did, unlike other Republican governors whose overall numbers for Republican were just average, middle of the pack, including COVID, and who has the advantage of sunshine where people from badly run states up north would go no matter who the governor was, just like I did. Now, that's not exactly right, is it, America? Ron came to me in desperate shape in 2017. He was politically dead, losing in a landslide to a very good agriculture commissioner, Adam Putnam, who was loaded up with cash and great poll numbers. Ron had low approval, bad polls, and no money. But he said that if I would endorse him, he could win. I didn't know Adam, so I said, let's give it a shot, Ron. When I endorsed him, it was as though, to use a bad term a nuclear weapon 
went off. Years later, they were the exact words that Putnam used in describing Ron's endorsement. He said, I went from having it made with no competition to immediately getting absolutely clobbered after your endorsement. That's not exactly true. I was in Florida. I was campaigning for Ron DeSantis. He was the conservative in the race. The establishment got behind Putnam, and it was a tough race, but it wasn't at all clear who would win that race. I'm just telling you. I then got Ron by the star of the Democrat Party, Andrew Gillum, who was later revealed to be a crackhead, writes Trump, but having two massive rallies with tens of thousands of people at each one. I also fixed his campaign, which had been completely falling apart. I was all in for Ron, and he beat Gillum. But after the race, when votes were being stolen by the corrupt election process in Broward County, and Ron was going down 10,000 votes a day, along with now Senator Rick Scott, I sent in the FBI and the U.S. attorneys. Really? And the ballot theft immediately ended, just prior to them running out of votes necessary to win. I stopped this election from being stolen. And now Ron DeSanctimonious is playing games. The fake news asks him if he's going to run if President Trump runs, and he says, I'm only focused on the governor's race. I'm not looking into the future. Well, in terms of loyalty and class, that's really not the right answer. This is just like 2015 and 2016, a media assault collusion, when Fox News fought me to the end until I won, and then they couldn't have been nicer or more supportive. The Wall Street Journal loved low-energy Jeb Bush, and a succession of other people as they rapidly disappeared from sight, finally falling in line with me after I easily knocked them out, one by one. We're in exactly the same position now. They will keep coming after us, MAGA. But ultimately, we will win. Put America first and make America great again. I don't know what any of that has to do with Ron DeSantis at the, at the end there. What do you think about that, Rich? I don't know why President Trump keeps shooting himself in the foot. I don't know why. But I do know, as a matter of fact, that the media want this fight. Even some conservative media. Even some conservative politicians. But certainly the rhinos. And certainly the Democrats. And my concern is for the country. You'll notice that DeSantis isn't tweeting things about President Trump. You'll notice DeSantis isn't saying anything negative about President Trump. At all. At all. It's getting weirder and weirder by the day, quite frankly. Weirder and weirder and more concerning to me. Um... Because in the end, we need to beat the Democrats. And I know that the media are sparking here. And I know that President Trump is taking the bait. And um, it's not good for him or anybody else, for that matter, who cares about liberty in this country. Let's move on. Why is the, why do the media not jump up and down when the Biden administration targets their political opponents? 
Now, you can't just say it's the Stasi. You can't just say it's Meritless Garland. It's Biden. Biden, in response to Jenny Leonard of Bloomberg, specifically said he wants Elon Musk to be investigated. Cut 17, go. Mr. President, do you think Elon Musk is a threat to U.S. national security? And should the U.S. and with the tools you have investigate his joint acquisition of Twitter with foreign governments, which include the Saudis? (laughs) I think that Elon Musk's cooperation and or technical relationships with other countries uh, is worthy of being looked at. Whether or not he is doing anything inappropriate, I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting that it's worth worth being looked at. Um, uh, Go ahead. um, And... uh, but that's all I'll say. So he basically gave the green light publicly to, uh, to the federal investigation divisions of the federal government to go after Elon Musk. Did he not just do that? It's worth being looked at. I'm suggesting that it's worth being looked at. Not saying he's guilty, but it's worth being looked at. In other words, investigate him. Now, Mark, what if there is federal money, or excuse me, foreign money in Twitter? Well, what if there's foreign money in Apple? What if there's foreign money in Hunter Biden's bank account? What if there's foreign money that that wound up in the pockets of the uh, whole Biden crime family, which we know it did? What if there's foreign money that wound up with Joe Biden? And we believe it did. Peter Schweitzer and others, Ron Johnson have made it abundantly clear. Charles Grassley. More than enough evidence. We don't even need to sick the FBI on the various Biden residences to get documents. We already know it from the laptop and eyewitnesses like Bobolinsky. So here's a guy. He's a brute. He's a thug. Who talks about investigating Elon Musk. Who simply bought a corporation. They didn't look into Twitter before he bought it. To see if there's foreign investment in Twitter, did they? No. And how the hell does a president of the United States get away with the kinds of things that that crime family has gotten away with? If this is a big issue, how come he's not under criminal investigation? How come there's not a special counsel? And if the Republicans take the House, to me, this is investigation number one. The Biden crime family. And now that we know the Democrats in the House have no problem getting tax returns from a president sitting or former, then they need to get the tax returns from the Biden crime family, all their members. Biden released them. He didn't release them all. That's not correct. And they need to get all the wire transfers and other transactional information from the various banks. And the Treasury Department must be compelled to assist or go around the Treasury Department and subpoena the banks individually. They're going to have to conduct a criminal investigation 
just like the January 6th committee. But here we have real crimes, real, likely financial offenses. The idea that this man will publicly state that he essentially wants to unleash federal investigative offices against a private citizen because he dares to believe in free speech. He dared to say vote Republican. He doesn't toe the line. We cannot accept this. This isn't communist China under Xi yet. Yet. I don't know Elon Musk. But I can say this. Thank God for Elon Musk. Not because he said vote Republican. That has nothing to do with it. But because he just took out one oligarch. And is obviously interested in principles that matter to me and to you. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values, and I invite you to switch to pure talk too they're my guys switch to pure talk in less than 10 minutes go to puretalk.com and our promo code levin podcast that's l-e-v-i-n podcast to save 50 percent off your first month again puretalk.com and enter promo code levin podcast he can do anything because the press are in his back pocket the press hate elon musk the press are in on this. They were in on 2016, the bogus Russian argument, the dossier, and they're in on this. Hook, line, and sinker. And they are going to benefit, as will the Democrats, and the Republican establishment will benefit from a battle between conservatives. And unfortunately here, with that last tweet, or what do they call it, true social posting, um, I fear the former president took the bait, and it's unfortunate. Now that said, NBC New Report yesterday, they talk about the huge youth vote that came out. That is why Joe Biden is charging all the rest of a million uh, of Americans a trillion dollars to subsidize student f- debt forgiveness. He bought that vote with your money. That is why out of the blue, out of left field, he signed a useless executive order on pardoning every single federal prisoner who, who smoked marijuana. It was my understanding nobody's in federal prison for smoking marijuana. 
but the optics were there, and the uh, media, of course, carried his message. So he bought the youth vote. And that's what they do on the left. Now, he knows it's illegal. He knows it's unconstitutional. Even in the past, he has said so. So has Pelosi. He can't do this. He doesn't have the power as a president. He's not the person who writes the legislation and signs the legislation. So he issues an executive order. And as I warned you, he's going to be doing a lot more of this. He's already, he's already reached Olympic-style levels of executive orders. But listen to this. Cut 16, go. The recipients of President Biden's student debt forgiveness plan could see their monthly payments drop up to $300 a month in the coming weeks. But get this, 73% say they actually plan to spend that extra cash on travel and dining out. Now, those of you who are trying to make ends meet, you're going to be subsidizing the travel and food and all the rest of it while you're suffering. Those of you who voted for Joe Biden, screw you. You deserve, or his party, you deserve to suffer. Financially and in every other way. Because if we have to suffer as a result of this, you deserve it. Because you gave him his house. Well, you didn't give it to him, but you voted for Democrats. Intelligent.com surveyed 1,250 individuals who have or will apply for Biden's relief initiative and ask them what they'll do with their extra money after their monthly payments are reduced. Courtesy of U.S. taxpayers, $3,500 per federal taxpayer over the next decade, you'll be, you'll be coughing up for this. Many of the respondents candidly admitted they plan to spend the money on things most would not consider essential. Over 73% of applicants say they are likely to spend their extra money on non-essential items. Here's some notable specifics from the survey. 52% said they'll buy new clothes. 46% say they'll go on vacation or out to eat. 44% said they'll likely use the money to buy new smartphones. 28% said they're likely to use the money to buy drugs or alcohol. 27% said they're likely to use the money to gamble more. Oh, and the survey further finds that nearly twice as many Democrats than Republicans feel spending on non-essentials is an acceptable thing to do. Surprised? 40% of the recipients said their student loans weren't negatively impacting their lives. 28% said their student loans have been very negatively impacting their lives. So I guess they're going to use the money and have a party and still have debt. The country is collapsing. I'll be right back. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me 
and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. Yes, it's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877 381 3811. President Reagan whom I worked for, remember what he said, the 11th commandment, Mr. Producer? Thou shalt not attack a fellow Republican. That's if you're running. Obviously, I'm not running. Served him well. Got a lot of negative press. Was attacked a lot. Said to be a radical and extremist. They desperately wanted... George H.W. Bush to defeat him, the Republican establishment, including McConnell, including Rove. They desperately wanted to take Reagan out. They said some very nasty things about him and so forth. But he drew the attention of Americans, despite the attacks from the media about being an extremist and being a warmonger and all the rest of it, he was able to draw the attention of the average person and their support through his graciousness. And, uh, and he overcame the Republican establishment, which was vicious. Like they're vicious now. And he, against my best thoughts, he, he chose George H.W. Bush to be his running mate. You know who I wanted to be his running mate? A guy by the name of Paul Laxalt, Adam Laxalt's grandfather. But Bush was advised, excuse me, Reagan was advised he needed to unite the party, and one of the best ways would be to bring his top rival into the party, who had said many bad things about him. But he was a very loyal vice president. Except when he was running for president on Reagan's coattails, after Reagan termed out, he talked about a kinder and gentler America, which was a shot at Reagan. And Reagan still didn't take him on. Just let him go. And George H.W. Bush, who's considered a very nice man, and I'm sure he was, he was. And a friend, Tony, who worked for him, tells me he was fantastic. So I believe it. But that's kind of the way it works. Now, okay, I have some other thoughts, but I'll hold off on them for now. Don't you think, Mr. Producer? Hold off on them for now. Let's keep going here. What do you think? I think Ron Johnson's layout is the best. And what's interesting about this, I read it all during the break, is he's challenging McConnell. Republicans campaigned against failed policies and vowed to reverse them. With Mr. Biden still in the White House and Senate control still and down, accomplishing that will be difficult. But the American people expect results. You listening, Mitch? If Republicans gain the Senate majority, allowing the current dysfunction to continue won't be an option. 
If we gain majorities in both chambers, at a minimum, we can bring greater function and regular order back to Congress. Rank-and-file members should vote only for leaders who commit to passing a budget that drives a fiscally massive spending bill to produce a balanced budget. We can find sufficient budget cuts and rescissions from the Democrats, from their bills. If not, the debt ceiling will have to be increased, but only with other legislation attached that will minimize the need for future increases. I have four bills in mind. The Prevent Government Shutdown Act, the Full Faith and Credit Act, the RAINS Act, an acronym for regulations from the executive in need of scrutiny, and the Reducing the Size of the Federal Government Through Attrition Act. Collectively, these bills would help control the size, scope, and cost of the federal government. Now, keep in mind, they're going to be up against these American Marxist movements, which don't care about how much we spend, don't care if we go broke, don't care if the system collapses, because that's what they want. But he's talking about what the Republicans should do. Senate Republican conference rules require us to adopt an official legislative agenda. Now listen to this. In my 12 years in the Senate, this has never occurred. Again, members should vote only for leaders who commit to both adopting the required agenda and fully involving the conference in its development. In other words, McConnell has never done this. It's part of the conference rules, and he's saying, well, then only vote for leaders who will do it. I suggest two agendas, one for the next two years under a Democrat president and a four-year agenda that can be adopted by Republican presidential and congressional candidates running in 2024, and you can read the rest. My point here is he's saying we should only vote for leaders who are going to get back to the Republican conference rules that require us to adopt an official legislative agenda. The problem they're having, folks, under McConnell and Schumer, but McConnell's been there a long time as their leader. Is there is no official legislative agenda. They cherry pick. It's as they choose. So a little clique of senators. Pretty much. You have McConnell, you have Cornyn, you have Thune, and a couple others. Barrasso. The so-called leadership. A handful of them, probably five or six of them, they get together and they decide what the agenda is going to be. And he's saying, no, we're all supposed to decide that. All the Republicans. And that's what the rules in the conference say. And we should only vote for leaders, meaning those people, if they agree to this. See, it's not just Pelosi who violates the rules. It's the Republicans who violate their own rules. And the Republicans don't care. As I said, I was watching Ron Porter, uh, Rob Porter. I was watching the one from West Virginia. I forget the uh, Republican's name there, the female birthing person. Uh, same thing. Oh, she loves Mitch McConnell. It's as if there's some kind of a... Like they smoke something or, or some kind of uh, hypnotic control that McConnell has over these people. It's called money. It's basically called money. That's the kind of control they have, uh, that they have over him, that he has over them. Now, this article, this survey about these people, 73% who would get this student loan uh, forgiveness and would spend it on all these things, 
the Senate Republicans, as well as the others, they should immediately take steps to pass legislation, force him to veto it, and then take it to court, because he doesn't have this power to do it anyway, that would prevent him from using your federal tax dollars for basically building his political entity stronger and stronger and stronger. And to take back the power of the person, to take back the power to legislate from Biden. In every case, they should sue him to try and stop him when he doesn't, because he's doing it more than any president in my lifetime. And this is a big problem. But just to show you how the Democrats and their media work, just to show you how they work, how nothing matters, how they're perfectly happy, Katie Turd is this uh, host on MSLSD. She's not particularly bright, but she has, you know, a platform. And there's a roundtable there, and Katie Turd is the host, and she's on MSLSD, and she says this yesterday about Fetterman. Cut to go. Fetterman as a nominee at some point for president, um, I know there's some variables, obviously. But <laughs> just a few. Just a few. But I just, you know... Let's it, just stop. They think this is funny. I just hope the people who voted for, uh, for Fetterman in Pennsylvania understand that you're a laughingstock. You're a complete laughingstock. Those of you who voted for him. You can't think for yourself. You don't have an independent mind. You're a party hack. There's no other explanation for this. And even the way you were screwed, and you know you were screwed by this guy, refusing to have a debate until so many people already cast their ballots, you don't care. Again, those of you who voted for him, Many patriots voted against him, of course. And I don't buy this crap that Oz was a bad candidate. The more I listen to Oz on my shows, or, you know, for you to listen to as well, he was very sharp. He was very thoughtful. He was a very good candidate. Go ahead. What he did in the in the super red, deep red parts of Pennsylvania and the way that he ran ahead of Biden, as you were saying, ran ahead of Trump. He, lost, mean, he made... lost in the super red parts of Pennsylvania. He lost in the super red parts of Pennsylvania. Go ahead. To wonder about his future. Wonder about his future. She was talking about him running for president. I guess if you've had Biden, you set the precedent, right? You don't need two brain cells to rub together. And yet he's running circles around McConnell with two brain cells. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data 
Just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. Let's take some calls, Mr. Producer. We haven't taken any calls in a while. We usually wait for hour three. That's not particularly fair to everybody, but we do it the best we can. We need five hours to do this show. Who do we have, Mr. Producer? KQNA, Gary in Northern Arizona. How are you? Fine, sir. How are you doing this evening? Good, thank you. Uh, Speak. Long time, right long time caller. First time I got through your screen. Uh, yeah, here in Arizona, we're having trouble with this uh, this uh, election uh, counting the ballots. It's kind of the same thing we had uh, two years ago, except in reverse. I had uh, friends of mine that were uh, working at the polling site in uh, Maricopa County, and they left after the polls closed at seven o'clock, and their house was about five minutes away. And before they even got out of their vehicle, they were already hearing on the radio that they called it for Biden. They said it can't be because we didn't even have them boxed up and shipped out. Hey, the out problem yet. is, I've looked at this pretty carefully now. The problem is, you have a lousy law there, just as they do in Pennsylvania. You're never going to get this right if you allow people to vote the way they vote and you don't start counting until the, the last person votes. And you got drop boxes and you got absentee ballots coming in. It cannot be done the same day, even if it's perfectly run. They don't allow that in the state of Florida. That's not how it works. You cast a ballot, whether it's by mail, early in person voting, they count it immediately. They count it immediately. And so by election day, when people walk into the polls, they're not allowed to drop into uh, into drop boxes. They're not allowed to bring in uh, or to or to walk in and send in. Uh, what am I saying? Send in absentee ballots at that point. It's in person voting. And then they have they add the in person voting to all the early voting, and they have their answer. It doesn't work that way in Arizona, so it's more susceptible to fraud and corruption. And you're not going to get an answer till God knows when. Same damn thing in Pennsylvania. So to some extent, these states have to fix their systems. And it's even worse, frankly, in Pennsylvania. You have 50 days of early voting. 50 days, and it's piling up and piling up and piling up. You get my point? Yes, sir. And also we have our Secretary of State, who's supposed to be overseeing the elections, who's actually running for governor. Yeah, that is outrageous. That is outrageous. She should have recused herself a long time ago. It seems like a conflict of interest, and it shouldn't even be allowed. 
Well, it is a conflict of interest, but it's not it's not um, illegal. Did somebody go to court to challenge it? I don't even know. I don't live out there. Uh, I'm not sure, sir. Well, if not, why not? Not not you. Why wouldn't they have done that? <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. But, you know, some of these Republican legislatures need to fix these situations. And they can. Now, the gentleman was kind of inferring there's a lot of fraud going on in Arizona. Here's my problem. Could be. I have no idea. But nobody ever raises that question now in Florida because they have a tight system. They have a, they've set up, DeSantis has set up a criminal election unit with enough personnel that they can immediate on election day, immediately move into different areas to check what's going on. So you don't have to look after the fact. There are limitations placed on early voting, voting by mail and drop boxes. The dates are set up in a specific way, so counting begins when votes are made. And so the election is over on election eve, if not election night. Arizona has a really lousy law, so does Pennsylvania, so do some of these other states. So why don't they fix them? Because the Democrats don't want them to fix them. But in Arizona, at least this last time around, you had a Republican legislature and a Republican governor. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution. Against all freedom-loving Americans. So... You need to read The War on Cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this War on Cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492. or visit SwissAmerica.com He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I just heard one pundit say on TV that if Trump and DeSantis go at it, that's good. It'll make them both stronger. No, it won't. No, it won't. It'll make the Democrats stronger. Or the rhinos. This is what they want. Let's take some calls. Barry, Los Angeles, California, the great KRLA. How are you, Barry? I'm uh, not good, Mark. Um, unless somebody talks to Trump very soon, we are, conservatism is doomed in this country. He, and, and that's because? He's surrounded, he's, he's surrounded by sycophants. 
that that truth that he put out or tweet or whatever, everybody around him believes that. DeSantis does not owe Trump anything, but Trump thinks that DeSantis owes him something. And DeSantis has been great right now, but it, and the media, the media, including all the Bushies, are they're just goading Trump right now. They're just goading him. They want, which is to, what I've said, and I agree with you a hundred percent. You have the never Trump media. You have the Bushies and their ilk. And unfortunately, some conservative media, they are goading Trump. Uh, and he took the bait, in my view. What do you think? He, well, he, he has. He's definitely take the bait. I, the, the only thing that will save him is somebody, and I'm not kissing your ass here. Somebody like you needs to talk to Trump and point out to him, look, as you said the other day, he's not, he has not been coronated. But if he gets primary, you know, if he runs, he gets primaried. He's got to do it a lot differently this time. You know, if he if he goes against Christie, he can do to Christie what he did to Christie last time. But he goes against a DeSantis or a Cruz, he's got to be, he can't be so petty. These people backed him, so he can't all of a sudden just, you know, back in 2016, nobody had backed him. He could be petty to anybody. It's not going to be the case in 2024. He needs to have a lot more discipline. All right. I appreciate your call, my friend. Uh, let's go to Gene Jacksonville, Sirius XM in Florida. How are you, Gene? Mark, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm a first-time uh, caller, a long-time Thank listener. Uh, I Thank thought you. your opening today was brilliant. It was exactly what I had on my mind. And why people hadn't been talking about McConnell uh and the way he uh, just really helped screw up this last election. Uh, the best example that I had was the gal that I think you had her on your show, Kelly Shibaga. Oh, yeah, she uh, was from great. Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so here's McConnell taking millions of bucks and giving them to uh, Murkowski, who was not the selection of the uh, – Alaska Republican Party. He actually did worse than that. He used that money to smear Shabaka, to to lie about her. Yeah, and uh, the thing about it is the uh, the Alaskan Republican Party censored McConnell. That's now, right. what the hell kind of leadership is that that we have that uh, would allow that to go on? I mean, we've got to stop that. We got to get rid of those rhinos. I mean, well, I, but you know, I'm we, watching. You know, I'm watching these rhinos. They're coming up one after another. They're voting for McConnell. What would we do without McConnell? You know, stuff like that. Well, we sure. do a lot without McConnell. What are we going to do with him? And what about my point? I think that what exactly did he tell them to run on? What's the agenda? And what's the legislative agenda if we win? He doesn't have any. Zero. He hasn't announced it. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm, Thank I'm you, tell you what, Mark. You, yeah, go ahead. Whole, I'm sorry. Your whole call today was great. Your whole monologue, everything mm-hmm. was absolutely spot on. Well, thank you, buddy. Take care. Let's see. Let us go to uh, Jim, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go ahead, Jim. 
Mark, the reason I listen to you on WMAL is because WLS uh, frequently uh, knocks you off for some sports crap. You know, <laughs> you know where they uh, take a knee. You know, I'm on WLS for five hours for God's sakes. But anyway, go ahead. Yes, I know, but I do in the back. On the back side, I listen to you for another three from yeah. uh, nine to twelve. So to, to get Thank things you. extra straight. So WLS is okay. But well, maybe anyhow, we'll leave that station. Uh, you never know. McConnell has to go. But we have to we have to ditch Mitch. You know, and uh, I'm going to make a T-shirt for that. But the the uh, I like that. Uh, the thing is, you know, I was a big Ted. I was a big big Ted Cruz. I mean, I support Ted Cruz going into 2016. Right. I, I support. I took uh, pictures with his lovely wife Heidi. I didn't appreciate uh, Donald Trump's uh, smears with Ted Cruz at the time, but uh, despite all that, when uh, t- when uh, 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 when uh, Trump won the uh, primary, I supported him a hundred percent, and uh, and he uh, more than exceeded my expectations. Yes. But that said, this petty uh, thing between uh, him and uh, DeSantis has got me really troubled. Because it's uh, it's just a reminder of back then, where uh, it's just petty. And, and then we don't. Well, what do you think of the last caller who said that might have worked in 2016? It's not going to work now. I I yeah. support. Yeah, it's not going to work now. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to work now. I I support both your callers. Both of them were fantastic. The two the two previous callers, I couldn't agree with more than a hundred percent. You know. And uh, just you have a great audience. I'll tell you what. I mean, smart as hell. On. And yeah. uh, but these smart as hell. And uh, even though I have a degree in aerospace engineering, I don't uh, pull it too often. But. There you go, baby. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, but I'll tell you what. Uh, Did you get a student loan and pay it off by yourself? Uh, I did have a student loan. It was like twenty five hundred bucks back. Then uh, my uh, tuition was uh, under five hundred a month, uh, five hundred a semester. It was four hundred and thirty nine. Did you expect the American people to pay off your loan? Hell no. Of course not. Hell no. I paid it off myself. I went to work. Mm-hmm. No, I, I would have never expected that. And no offense, you hear what most of these I'll say it bums are going to do with their money. Seventy three percent. They're going to have parties. They're going to go on vacations. They're going to buy, you know, iPhones. And the hardworking plumbers and electricians and roofers and brickers and handyman and mechanics and truck drivers and, and, uh, and car drivers and all the rest of them, you're all going to be subsidizing this. It's sickening. Joe Biden bought the youth vote. That's what he did. And the th- all right, Jim. Good call, buddy. I appreciate it very much. Let's take another one. Let's go to Sam, Westchester, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark. It's an honor to speak with you. It's, you. it's hilarious how they slandered Trump from when before he was in office. Obama spied on him. They, they essentially ridiculed Trump for saying that and how he got the vaccine done and they delayed the vaccine and all this other nonsense that went on, and eventually it became fact in these people's minds when it was all proven, the Russian collusion and everything else was all proven false, it became 
Well, I agree with you. I think he was the most mistreated president in history, period. And they're still going after him. It was ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Whoever is the Republican nominee in 2024, I'll vote for. If it's Trump, he's got my vote 100%. And? You, you said whoever it is? And that's it. Whoever no, it is. No, you said whoever Trump, it is? He's got my vote. Whoever it is has got my vote. And I, if it's Trump, he's got my vote. I 100%. got it. 100%. And me too, by the way. If it's Trump, he's got my vote. And thank you. And thank you for taking my call. I've been listening to you for five years, and you, you do a great job. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Before we get to one of our favorite senators, thank God he's reelected, Ron Johnson, the federal judge in Texas just ruled as follows on the student loan forgiveness program under Joe Biden, literally just released. This case involves the question of whether Congress, through the HEROES Act, gave the secretary authority to implement a program that provides debt forgiveness to millions of student loan borrowers totaling over $400 billion. Whether the program constitutes good public policy is not the role of the court to determine. Still, no one can plausibly deny that it is either one of the largest delegations of legislative power to the executive branch or one of the largest exercises of legislative power without congressional authority in the history of the United States. The court said, in this country, we are not ruled by an all-powerful executive with a pen and a phone. Instead, we are ruled by a constitution that provides for three distinct and independent branches of government. As President James Madison warned, the accumulation of all powers, legislative, executive, and judiciary in the same hands, whether of one or a few or many, and whether hereditary, self-appointed, or elective, may just be pronounced the very definition of tyranny, Federalist Number 47. The court is not blind to the current political division in our country, but it is fundamental to the survival of our republic that the separation of powers as outlined in our Constitution be preserved. And having interpreted the HEROES Act, the court holds that it does not provide clear congressional authorization for the program proposed by the Secretary. Thus, plaintiff's motion for summary judgment is granted, defendant's motion to dismiss is denied, and the court declares unlawful and vacates the program. So ordered, 10th day of November, Judge Mark T. Pittman. Senator Johnson, I think this is the first you've heard that. We have a federal judge that ruled that Biden's really $1 trillion executive order violates the federal constitution. I think that's quite clear, don't you, sir? It, it is, and that is very good news. And I'm sure uh, all... Uh, Americans who uh, did not voluntarily incur student debt or uh, scrimped and sacrificed and paid their student uh, loans off are relieved that they're uh, they're not having student loans transferred onto their backs. So that is very good news. It's uh, nice that the Constitution remains intact, at least in some courts. Yeah, exactly. And you know what else is interesting, Senator, is Intelligent.com surveyed 120, excuse me, 1,250 individuals 
who have or will apply for this, not now, of course. And 73% said they'll spend their money on non-essential items, new clothes, vacations, more restaurants, uh, smartphones, drugs and alcohol. They'll gamble more. So you got people breaking their backs to make ends meet, subsidizing people who are going to earn more money than they are. And 73% of those surveyed, of those who are going to get these monies, my language, not yours, we're going to piss it away. So Biden bought the youth vote in this last election. That's exactly what he did. Now, Senator, you're remarkable. You're like a magician. You're the Houdini of elections. You're able to pull through these very difficult elections. You knew before you announced and decided to, to get involved. It'll be another one of these, you know, knuckle battle fights to get, uh, to get through. And you did it again. How do you explain this? Well, first of all, Mark, I appreciate you having me on because I wanted to just come on and thank you personally, but also all the members of your audience who were so generous and provided me the resources to be able to uh, counter the lies, uh, the distortions, the character assassinations, the politics of personal destruction. They spent over $100 million uh, trying to destroy me politically, and they also had the press on their side, and that was worth a whole lot more than $100 million. So it was, it was literally people like you and, and members of your audience that you know, allowed me to save this U.S. Senate seat. So really, in all sincerity, thank you so much. Uh, you well, played I, a big, I, on big behalf of this audience, the seat. well, I want to thank you to put up with this sort of stuff like you have to. Your family has to put up with this sort of stuff. You were well off. You had created your own business. You didn't need any of this. And you've been an incredibly effective Senator, and we read part of your op-ed in the Wall Street Journal today uh, as well, and it's clear that you're not just coming back because you enjoy wearing uh, the U.S. Senator jacket. It's because you expect leadership on the Republican side to really get its act together now to involve you and other senators so you can get control of this spending and these regulations and taxes, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we are on an unsustainable path. Uh, you can't be $31 trillion in debt and expect uh, everything to come up roses. Uh, but unfortunately, far too many people, most people in Washington, D.C., are just whistling past the graveyard here, af- afraid of their shadow, really, when it comes to uh, putting out the truth of the reality of our situation and more than happy to spend money we don't have, uh, borrow money, uh, spark inflation. It, this just has to end. And, uh, you know, I, I think the one of the messages in the results here is that the, you know, the electorate's not all that enamored with the Republicans, or they would have you know, certainly rejected completely Democrat policies. One of the questions I have, truthfully, is how bad does it have to get before voters reject you know, this massive spending, the war on fossil fuels, the open border, the, the soft on crime policies? I mean, how, how bad does it have to get? So, but listen, you know, I, I was certainly disappointed by the results. Uh, these races shouldn't have been, even been close, and they wouldn't have been close if we had an unbiased media and an education system that was actually educating our children as opposed to indoctrinating them. Now, that's 100% right. And um, I'm just concerned. You understand the culture war that's going on here, and we can't win the political war if we keep surrendering on the cultural front, whether it's our public schools and the classroom and the border and so forth and I just have to tell you and I'm not trying to put you on the spot I just wonder often particularly in the Senate if the Republicans even understand that we're engaged in this war 
I mean, the effort to try and uh, to to dismiss you as an as, as an extremist extremist. Since when is supporting the Constitution and sound money an extreme position? But do you get my point? No, I, I get it entirely, which is why I wrote that op-ed. Uh, once I won re-election, I sat down, I, I quick wrote that out, submitted to the Wall Street Journal, appreciate the fact they, they ran it right away, but you know, my opening paragraph, they think, says it all. I, I ran, you know, 12 years ago, I got elected. The, the dysfunction in Washington, D.C. is profound, which is one of the reasons I was going to just hang it up after two terms, but you know, when you see the division, uh, when you love this country as much as I do, I decided I I couldn't turn my back on it, but I vowed to myself, if I got reelected, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to return function and fiscal sanity to Washington, D.C. And I don't care what kind of criticism I come under. I don't care what kind of scorn uh, heaped upon me by, you know, I don't care who it is, Democrats or Republicans. I'm, I'm going to tell people the truth. I'm going to let people know exactly what is happening in this country, I'm going to get them as much as possible to understand our financial predicament. You're terrific. I, we're so excited that you were re-elected, Senator, and I want to thank you for everything you've done, and look at the class you've shown. You called in, you wanted to thank the audience. We look forward to having you back. God bless God and bless be safe, and Senator. Audience. You too. We'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. More logic than allowed by law. The Mark Levin Show. Call now at 877-381-3811. Who is Judge Mark T. Pittman who wrote this absolutely superb constitutional decision? Finding clearly that what Biden did violated the separation of powers in the Constitution and there, there was no massive grant or delegation of authority by Congress to the executive branch. And by the way, even that would have been unconstitutional. His past service, Associate Justice Court of Appeals for the Second District of Texas. District Court, Fort Worth, Texas, before that. Before that, 
Special Assistant United States Attorney for the Northern District of Texas, Enforcement Attorney with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, Senior Attorney for the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, Assistant U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Texas, Trial Attorney with the United States Department of Justice, Civil Division, Civil Litigation Attorney with Kelly Hart and Holm. In other words, the guy's got incredible experience. And, of course, Reuters writes that he was appointed by Trump. So that obviously means that whatever the man writes is to be rejected. But what he wrote was perfect. I read the decision. It's 26 pages. Do you read fast? Yes, I can read fast. Some of it I don't need to read. Um, But just, uh, just terrific. So all of you who are planning on getting money from your fellow citizens, many of whom earn a hell of a lot less than you, to buy drugs and booze, to go on vacations, to buy a new iPhone, buy new clothes. I'm just reading what the vast majority were going to do to gamble. Uh, go earn your money yourself. Get off the public dole. Stop being parasites. Stop being Democrats. So we salute federal judge in Texas, Mark Pittman, and we want to thank him for upholding the Constitution. As Senator Johnson said, there's at least one judge who believes in the Constitution. Now, here's the thing. What Judge Pittman says in this decision, among many other things, it's just brilliantly laid out, step by step by step. He said most of the time, or at least often, a judge doesn't have to throw out an entire program. He can send it back, that is, remand it, Uh, for corrections and changes that would make the the program legal or constitutional. But he said, quote, the agency's misstep is not correctable on remand. It is a complete usurpation of congressional authorization implicating the separation of powers required by the Constitution. And the program does not require a significant administrative wind-down period as loan forgiveness has not started. So remanding is not the appropriate remedy. He just blew it out. It's so blatantly and overwhelmingly unconstitutional. It's so obvious. And yet Biden did it. Because it was election time. And he didn't care about your money and he didn't care about the Constitution. And, of course, the media are there cheerleading for him. They don't, they don't attack Biden for knowingly violating the Constitution. They don't even believe in the Constitution. Now, this isn't the first time Biden's been caught by a judge. He's done this before. At least two times before. They catch me if you can. Like trying to impose the, the vaccine on a huge swath of the population. That was found unconstitutional. He doesn't care. And neither do the people who voted for the Democrats this time around. They don't give a damn about the Constitution. So you've got Biden emphatically telling you that a rapidly collapsing economy is strong as hell. You have a district attorney in Philadelphia who's telling you that if you criticize the soaring crime rate in that city, you're racist. 
Well, that's a lie, too. And now the corrupt media are telling you that abortion is as much is much more important than any other issue. That's what the people said in the last election. It's more important than eating, keeping yourself warm in the winter. It's the most important issue. Let's go here, here. Let's take a call. Let us go to Caitlin. Los Angeles, California, the great KRLA, 870 AM, where we're live and national. Go right ahead. Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Um, So just, I'm just going to get going here because I know I don't have a lot of time. Um, So I'm a 36-year-old student, proud conservative at uh, Cal State Long Beach, a completely bureaucratic school. And I heard in the car earlier you saying what these people are going to spend their money on. And it's just, for me, it's infuriating. I mean, people don't understand what's important in this country. People don't understand that, they don't understand what necessities are. I went to community college for seven years, and I saved up enough money to where I had, to, I was able to work less while I went to the university so I could focus on what I needed to do. And I've gone through that money because of inflation. And, you know, all these people are complaining and that money needs to be put towards necessities like paying medical bills and stuff like that. And it's just infuriating what young people, just people in general say today, because I'm proud to be at school. I did it myself. And to tell you the truth, even if I'm, you know, offered or anything, uh, you know, loan forgiveness, I don't want it. I want to pay my loan off because it means that I did something. I accomplished it myself as a proud American, and I just wanted to uh, comment on that, you know. Well, good for you. You've got some morals and a belief system, and that's, that's wonderful. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't. And this is not even income tested. So you could be a multimillionaire, and you're going to get this money. So uh, it was a big, bogus program. It was a lie. I hope the people who thought they were going to get this money understand that Biden did this intentionally, that it was never going to be constitutional. It's just not. So he fooled them, and they deserve to be fooled. All right, my friend, thank you. Excellent, excellent uh, call. Let us continue. Let's go to, I'm trying to read this here. Uh, we don't need any more calls on the student loan, Mr. Callscreener, because right now it's dead. Now, that doesn't mean they won't appeal it. They're going to appeal it, and I don't know what they're going to say. If they get it in front of some left-wing judge, you know, they'll try and uh, reverse course, I suppose. Uh, but uh, at least to now, at least tonight, right now, the point is that a federal judge in Texas has written a brilliant opinion, 26 pages long, and said that what Biden did here was really a gross, my words, a gross violation of the separation of powers in the Constitution, not even a close call, so bad that he's not remanding it back to the agency to fix because it's unfixable. They don't have the power to do what they, they tried to do here. And Biden knew it, and he did it anyway. So he's not faithfully executing our laws. He's, he's making up legislation. And this is a big problem. I don't care if some guy's mad at me for supporting Trump. Gives a damn. 
I support DeSantis, too. You know, when DeSantis was a congressman, I got to know him a bit. And then when he decided to run for governor, I went down to Florida and I campaigned for him. And we're fast friends. We're very good friends. And um, I voted for Trump for president. You better believe I did. I voted for him twice. And he was a fantastic president in so many ways. But these never-Trumpers can't give it up. These never-Trumpers, they don't criticize Biden. They don't criticize these phony Republicans who don't accomplish a damn thing, who don't take on the culture. And I understood why Trump was under attack, because he took on the culture, and he took on Washington, and he took on these institutions. What I'm objecting to here, I couldn't be clear. What is it? These never-Trumpers, they can't hear plain English? They don't know how to think? is the attacks on DeSantis. They're unnecessary. And no, I don't think, like somebody just said on TV, that it's good for both candidates. You know, that's politics. Uh, excuse me. No, that's not good. And I don't like it, and I'm not going to just sit here and pretend that it's okay. It's not okay. I don't know who this is. I don't want any more student loan calls. We don't need them anymore. Austin, Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee, the great WTVN. Go. Austin. Mark, thank you so much for taking my call, sir. I'm a huge fan of yours and your show. I'm a big thank fan you. of Michael Savage and the late, great Rush Limbaugh. Um, well, that's Mark, kind of I a weird thing 20- since Savage used to trash Limbaugh left and right. Oh, oh really? I didn't know that. Oh, no. yes. Um, but anyway. I don't even know where he is anymore. Is he still on the air somewhere? He's uh, he's not on air, sir. He's doing a podcast now. I haven't really listened to it since then, since I don't really have time for a podcast. But he's okay. he's off the air. Okay, just didn't know. I was curious. Um, How may I help you, my friend? Definitely. Um, um, Mark, I want to know. I follow the 2020 election results day by day. I stayed up to date on everything that was going on in those five states: uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin. And Michigan, I was just appalled by what I was seeing. Um, I never thought that this would come to America. And with the midterms, I've seen the same thing. I've read the reports on the absentee ballots being sent out in Pennsylvania. I've seen the news on the um, Dominion machines in Arizona. I don't know what's going on in Georgia. I'm sure Fulton County is doing the same thing they were two years All ago. Let's slow down a second. Let's 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 slow down a second. Oz is not accusing anybody of violating anything just so you know neither is the republican party right now in pennsylvania maybe they smartened up i don't know in the state in terms of the Mm -hmm. the policies but that's number one number two same thing in georgia nobody's accusing anybody of anything right now in georgia number three what's happening in arizona is extremely troubling It's extremely troubling because they have a lousy statute. And number four, even worse, what's happening in Nevada is extremely troubling because all of a sudden votes are coming out of Clark County and tightening the numbers on the Laxalt case. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how those things break. But um, at least for now, there are no allegations of fraud by anybody. 
Just so you know. Okay. All right. Mark, with that being said, do you think that the left getting control of the state legislatures and the governors in a lot of these states is going to seal our fate? Because, you know, when they have control in the future, come 2024, it'll be another repeat of 2020. Do you think that? Look, you know, you know how I think I can't be I can't engage in all the negativity and just say, forget about it. We're going to lose. Can you imagine me coming on the hair here every night and say, don't even bother. The left controls the legislature. The left controls this. They do that. They don't even bother. Forget about it. Can you imagine me saying that over and over again to 14 and a half million people? The influence I would have on our defeats? In other words, we, we'd get the floor. We have some victories. And I'm hoping we'll have more. But uh, I, I just can't do that. And I'm not going to do that. Because that's, that's just... Uh, that's using this microphone to dispirit all of our people so they never do anything anymore. When, in fact, I want people to do more to push back and fight. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Xi Jinping says China's preparing for war. I've been meaning to get to this for two days, but with all the election stuff. He's been installed third term as China's leader, really leader for life, head of the Chinese Communist Party. He's been offering a number of speeches, state media interviews, and during one, he proclaimed that his country is going to be, quote, focusing on preparing for war, unquote. And this will take the form of increased military training drills along with hastened developments in technology and defense assets. The only reason he cited for this position was an increasingly unstable and uncertain national security position. But China's ramping up to invade Taiwan, ladies and gentlemen. That's exactly what it's preparing to do. And this guy's telling us that. Now, what are we going to do about it? Well, you know, we can't get involved in everything. It's awfully far away. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should stop these endless situations here. You know, America last. Let's see if we can slip on, slip on, slip in one final caller here. Let me go to my call screen. Today's a caller day. We don't have many of those. All right, let's go. T- oh, we have 40 seconds. I'm sorry. We're not going to go to a call. But I do want to get in more calls here now that election time's over. But I I can't promise it because sometimes there's hot issues. And I do want to explore this more with this Xi Jinping because uh, this is no joke. And I don't think we're focused on this. And China's damn serious about this. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, all the men and women of patriots out there, the Levinites. We salute you and thank you, and we'll see you tomorrow.